Welcome to Ben Navarra's podcast with your host, Ben Navarra's. Good morning and howdy and welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Ben, and we have Miss Lillian and Brummett is the last name. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Ah, cool. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to just open up today just because I am thinking about it right now. Um, I am on day number six of a seven day fast and I am moderately going insane. Um, and before we started talking earlier, uh, right before we started, um, our recording, I, uh, we talked about just a little bit about buying locally and having good nutrition food, good nutritious food. And so Mm -hmm. I have thinking about all the good nutritious food I will be having after I finish this fast and then walk (laughs) into a good, healthy, um, couple selections of items as I continue to, to break this fast. And so I heard that it's very important and read this very important to make sure that whenever we break our fast, it's done very, um, well with broths and all sorts of things um so lillian i would like you i would like to thank you for being here today and uh having the ability to you know be so diverse and just from what we talked about i definitely very enjoy what you've done so far um so if you don't mind lillian uh we're going to start off with a little bit of a plug promote talk about everything where people can find you and then we'll go and continue into the discussion Okay, great. Well, hi, everyone. And thanks for joining us today on the show. I really recommend you check out the video, uh, the interview that I just finished watching this morning about the sugarcane juice on this channel. It is a fantastic interview, by the way. Um, I'm really excited to be here. Obviously, I love speaking about these topics. Um, I've written about it a lot about living green and, you know, nutrition and gardening, alternative agriculture. I've written about this in, for decades and it's really like right up my, my alley. Um, I live in BC, Canada, the southern, south central region of BC, about 16, 12 hour drive from like Vancouver, Victoria area anyone's more familiar with that larger city. And so we live in a garden zone of zone five, which means our first frost is coming up next week, typically around October 10th. So we're cleaning up our gardens right now, right now, which is why it's a little uh, red face because I've been out in the sun a lot lately doing um, those activities, breaking down the garden. Uh, My husband and I have worked together for about 27 years now co-running this business. We've been together for about 33, 35 years, something like this. Um, But the business itself has been going on that long. Today, it includes the uh, six books that we have on Amazon. We run two blogs and a YouTube channel. And my husband also has his drum teaching and repair uh, side of the business, which takes up the entire lower half of our home, most of the garage and the workshop area. (laughs) But it's worth it. It's his baby. It's his thing. And so that's where we're at right now. But we have so much coming up in the future that our days are really full. As you know, as an entrepreneur, you know what's coming up. You have your plan. You have your action plan. But that means there's a lot of behind the scenes activities 
you know, going on where you're setting up things and you're learning new skills and you're practicing those skills before you actually release it into your business. And so we're at that stage of getting ready for, you know, you know, the growth uh, of our business, our next stages. But right now, that's what we're managing with uh, the Brummett Media Group. You can find it at brummettmedia.ca or just do a search online um, and just pop in Dave and Lillian Brummett, B-R-U-M-M-E-T. And you're going to find pages and pages and pages of links of, you know, where we've been interviewed and all kinds of links, places to find us online. I love it. Um, I was just in, what is it called? Um, not Vancouver. I was just in Victoria, British Columbia. Yes. And we, well, I was on a, a cruise up to Alaska, and one of our stops on the cruise was in Victoria. And oh my lord, was it beautiful! I mean, I was yes. like, how do I find a house in Victoria as soon as I possibly can? <laughs> and then I realized how expensive it was, and I was like, well. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess I'm going to stay back over in, I'm now in Las Vegas, so I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay in right. Las Vegas um, and continue right. to exist. But I I'm, I kind of want to know a little and learn a little bit more about what it's like to have my own garden and mm-hmm. like, how do I even get started? Um, mm-hmm. And then what are the values of, of growing my own food rather than, you know, going out and purchasing something? Okay, so... So that's a really big question. So if you're living in an apartment, it's super easy to purchase one of these grow units. You can get like three tier grow units that are only about maybe 18 to 20 inches wide. You know, maybe my chest height, my shoulder height, five or I guess that'd be four foot something. I'm five two, so whatever that ends up being. Um, they're only about this tall. So you, they're not very high. They're very compact. They can sit up against a wall really, really easily. I would suggest to purchase one of those if you live in an apartment, like say you don't have a balcony or a balcony with very much enough sun to grow, um, or you want to do some winter gardening because you can grow all kinds of salad ingredients, your lettuces, your green onions, your herbs are so expensive, right? And you can grow all of that so easily on that three-tier system. And it doesn't cost much because they use LED light bulbs nowadays for growing. And so you get the full spectrum of all that light plus whatever daylight's coming in from your windows and what have you. And you can supply your own fresh garden clippings, salad clippings, fresh herbs for your garden and save literally thousands of dollars a year just by doing that alone. If you have a balcony, get some some containers. You know, one of the great things about having a balcony or a patio, or say you're on ground level, your apartment's on ground level, you can grow in front of those sunny windows with, uh, you know, a trough, a a trough-like sort of bin, and you can grow things vertically. Like, say you might want to grow scarlet runner beans, which attract the butterflies and the hummingbirds, and have these beautiful red flowers, and then you have green beans for the entire growing season for free, while it's shading your deck, it's shading your parking area, it's shading your entrance area. It's shading those sunny windows and giving your home much more energy efficiency at that same time. And while you're doing that, you could be sitting in your living room watching 
the birds and butterflies going at your flowers. I mean, it's amazing. It's beautiful. I, I do it all the time. Those green curtains are just fantastic for energy conservation. Wow. If you have property, you can also extend your gardening into looking at, well, how can I support pollinators or attract pollinators to my garden? What kind of flowers can I interplant with my garden bed that I have going or my landscaping? Can I interplant in my landscaping edible things as well? You know, we want to look at the canopy. How high can we go? Are we look? Can we provide ourselves some privacy, some shade? If we're planting on the north side of our house, then we want to plant things that are going to be evergreen because they don't lose their leaves in the winter and they are in the summer or the winter. And so they continue to provide um, a like an installation windbreak for your property and it helps reduce the energy costs in the winter. If you're gardening and you have sun exposure on one side of your house, that's where you want to grow those deciduous plants, those um, like a vine of honeysuckles or grapes, or you could grow uh, trees that have leaves that fall in the in the fall. And by doing so, it's going to shade that wall in the summer and it's going to help cool your home and bring down your energy costs, reducing your impact on the environment, saving you a heck of a lot of money growing crops in the meantime. And then it's going to lose those leaves by winter, which you can compost, and then you get that valuable sun hitting that wall, warming you up in the winter. So there's lots of ways of, of using gardening for all different kinds of energy savings and impact on the environment and supporting pollinators and feeding yourself. Uh, there's it's so many benefits. Uh, plants, the more plants that you have, the... Um, it mitigates the temperature around you. So the plants release cool, moist moisture into the air. And that supports the other plants below them and around them as well. So it creates like this guild going on. The more plants you have, the healthier the whole system is. And also, you'll it's a noticeable effect when you're walking by somewhere that has trees or shrubs on a hot day. You want to pause in that shade because it's cooler there, right? And that's exactly what happens on your property. The entire property is cooled down and protected from the elements. And so you end up saving in a lot of a lot of different ways. If you're looking at long-term, you own your piece of property. Well, now you're looking at long-term landscaping. You want to plant things that are going to have long-term maturity rather than short-term goal. You're looking at a long-term goal. You're not only looking, can I provide my food? Can I do this, this thing for the habitat? Maybe I can grow to protect my home and save some energy, but also we're looking at long-term, how is this going to affect the property value? So if you landscape your property and it has, you know, a variety of, of shrubs and trees and they're fairly mature, you know, six, seven, eight years old or, or older, then you're looking at 10 to 15 and as much as 25% increased value on your property, depending wow. on where you're living and when you're selling it. Wow. Support for Ben Thinking is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code thinking at 
manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 16 million balls. I got my lawnmower and weed whacker recently and I immediately put the weed whacker inside of my nostrils. No nicks, no snags, and I have never been able to smell things as good as after I used the crop, the weed whacker. The crop preserver makes my balls smell nice every single day that I'm in the gym, and of course, we love that. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THINKING at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THINKING. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Lillian, you just gave us all sorts of amazing information that I never even knew. You know, like oh, good. I you've you've taught me so much in these last ten minutes. Oh, like, good. This is amazing, and how much value I think like you're creating an experience for me almost. Like I'm thinking, oh, I'm sitting, like I'm, I'm I'm sitting down in my in my living room, looking outside, and I can see hummingbirds passing by and butterflies. Nice. I'm walking out, like I have a little bit of a patio, and so I can walk out to the patio and kind of like sit in that space and see mm-hmm. some, some natural just wildlife kind of hanging out inside of my like what a what a good feeling to walk out and into and and not only just the feeling that I get to be able to maybe have it sit down, have a coffee and share in with the environment, but also at the same time get to eat some very nutritious food that has very, a a lot of nutrients that still remain in the food uh, rather than being shipped around, you know, the country it's right there. It's fresh. It's feeling good. It like, it, that it's just it's very refreshing to hear and also energy saving. I, I never even thought about the fact that I could save save on energy and then to increase my property value by that much. I mean that's mm-hmm. insane. That's insane value. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, I just I, I don't know. I wasn't expecting to learn as much as I did just in this short period of time, but I'm already <laughs> like, oh my god, this is amazing. Um, that's so I, great. And you're in your first home, are you not? Uh, correct. Yeah. Uh, well, yes. second, yeah, yeah, yeah. Second home. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Second it, home for me too. Yeah, actually. <laughs> so cool. Um, like, yeah. Yeah, it makes me start thinking about, okay, I got, like, I have, I have fish, um, and that's like, mm-hmm. a, like a little bit of a, a hobby, I guess, but I'm like, oh man, I gotta get, I gotta get me some, some plants outside. I have some indoor mm-hmm. plants. Um, I think that's like this guy right here is a snake plant. Um, and then I have, uh, several others around the, uh, around the house, but it makes me think I meant like other things that can give me some, some nutritional value as well, rather than mm-hmm. just that, that, um, that internal or that, that satisfaction internal walking around and just kind of seeing some livelihood. Um, so I, I, why did you get into plant stuff like growing your own gardening stuff like that? Um, okay. So when I was, when I was first on my own and prior to that, uh, I, I came from like a broken home environment and my mom, she had gardened mainly to help feed her three kids. You know, she was on and off single mom, sometimes married, sometimes not. Um, and so she had to feed her three kids. And so gardening was a, uh, like a, a working tool for her to do that um, as opposed to a hobby or to beautify the property or whatever. Hers was like intense. How much can I grow in this square foot, you know, in order to get as much food as I can for my family? 
And so I sort of had some uh, small roots exposure to that as a, as a youth. And then, cause I, you know, I was on and off living with her too. So, uh, but when I was 14, I was, I was on my own uh, just before I was 14, about 13 and a half. And the way I survived, the way I paid rent was I was working in nurseries. Uh, I was working with farmers. I was in the onion fields, you know, four o'clock in the morning planting onions and, you know, doing all kinds of uh, agricultural labor. And I, I thrived in that. Uh, for me, um, it wasn't something I was aware of at the time, but now I give talks about it about garden, uh, gardening being uh, a therapy. It's a, it's a mental therapy. And at the time, I didn't realize that was what was happening. But I was giving myself therapy every single day by being in nature and working in the earth and being around people who were also in that, we're all together, we're working as a team, and we're doing this project together. So all of that was like a, a powerful therapy for me. And so I think it sort of ignited the little sparks of my past exposure. Um, when I met up with Dave, I was in my, I was 20. Uh, we started living together, rented a few places, had a few tiny gardens. It wasn't, my mom had a farm with her last husband. And um, I started becoming, developing a relationship with her. And in doing that, the thing that we shared was our common joy of being in nature being one with nature, working with nature, getting dirty, you know, out there playing in the dirt. And so that was what we bonded on. And she was, she became an expert, a master gardener, a master composter. Uh, and I was able to learn from her hands-on experience working with her on her farm um, in between, you know, running my business and my relationship with Dave and that. So, you know, a few times a week I would be on her farm helping her. Later on, I ended up being her caregiver, and so I was spending a lot more time on the on that farm, helping run it, helping it move and motivate. Uh, from there, I ended up uh, taking on a job as a manager at a spa, and it had five acres of gardens. And for me, that was that was quite large for me to take on on my own because I'd always been under the wing of my mom. You know, what do I do now, mom? You know, and so I didn't have that person there uh, to guide me every step of the day. This is what we're doing today, you know, kind of thing. And so uh, I ended up planning, doing all this research, doing all these plans. How can I, you know, use these acreage? How, where is the market? What does the market want? Um, you know, and I was looking looking for specific buyers, restaurants, and so forth for this garden and also for the spa itself to, to supply the kitchen and run the spa at the same time. So we had to have everything really well maintained and really low, low uh, maintenance um, set up so we didn't have to, uh, so that we could do all of that all at the same time. There was just the two of us, my husband and I, uh, running the spa. And so in doing that, we ended up really perfecting everything. And I ended up sending, like my mom and I, I would send, uh, you know, map pads of paper, plans, garden plans and stuff like that through the mail, you know, back then. And uh, she would send it back to me with her notes all around the, the margins and everything else. Like we were back and forth talking on the phone about it. She helped me perfect it. And so that's really where it, it started growing into something more um, was around that 
time period. Now I'm older now, you know, I'm 55 heading towards 60. I'm looking at my own yard, my backyard garden. It's me and Dave with our yard. It's, it's a lot smaller and more compact now, but we do supply about 60 to 70% of all of our fruits, vegetables, and nuts, right. And roots right here off of this property. So, um, we are able to save a huge amount of money, uh, through that. Um, I think this year I probably brought in about $9,000 worth of uh, that into the house, but that's not including the value add, you know, then I'm taking it, I'm turning it into salsa or I'm canning tomatoes or I'm, you know, making stew or whatever it is I'm doing with it. Um, And so, you know, there's the value add on top of that. Wow. I just, what a, what a fun ride of, of gardening, you know, to go yes. being meditative <laughs> to now it being oh, like a commercial and then like, uh, you know, for mental health. I mean, it's, I think that always kind of sticks with it. It's probably why you're probably so successful and so invested and you just had passion. And it was something that really gave you a lot of, a lot of calm in your life at one point, right? It was kind of an escape, if you will. And then, you know, yes. you, got to turn, you got to have a really cool opportunity where you could use all that that time where you were maybe like just having a good time and kind of getting out and maybe learning some new skills, but then really like, Oh wow, I can use all those skills towards something that's, you know, valuable, not just to me, but to, to a whole community of people. I mean, that's, that Absolutely. sounds so fulfilling. Yeah. And you know, it took, it took the choice to get where we are now, you know, we lived in a, in, um, in the Okanagan region at one point, which is a, a larger sort of center. And uh, we tired of the traffic and the car accidents and the, you know, the crime in the big city and all the issues. And there was smog and smog warnings and all this stuff. And we were like, what are we doing living here, you know? And we wanted to move somewhere smaller. And, but we just, I guess we didn't, we hadn't developed the faith in ourselves at that point, knowing that no matter what we could count on ourselves, we were too young, not ready to take the risk, a big risk like that. And then later on, when we, uh, when the accident happened and, and I, we were changing our life, uh, my parents, you know, various parents were passing away and caregiving and, um, my parents were chronically ill, my mom and stepdad, and they ended up uh, choosing not to go on anymore a couple days after Christmas. And so we got that call, hey, you got to come deal with their estate. And so um, after that happened, that was like a huge catalyst. We thought, why are we waiting for this someday, this hopeful maybe one day we're going to be, um, we we realize that the golden moment is right now and that there is no golden, there may not be a golden tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So we have to live for right now, today, this hour, this moment right here. And this is the golden moment. And so we decided to make all of our life choices, whether it be career, where we lived, where we chose to live, how we chose to live, golden moment right now. So we sold the house that we had. We moved to an area that we had always camped and, re- and vacationed in, in the Kootenai region of BC. It's a beautiful, beautiful, pristine area. And um, we we just moved here. We bought it. We sold our house, bought the next house. Um, 
uh, really, really lucky. The people that were selling this house were really interested in selling. They had purchased another one and this had been a rental while they were trying to sell it and unsuccessfully. So we got it for a really good price. And then we started fixing it up and turning it into what we wanted it to be, making all the steps, taking a plan, you know, walking the property, figuring out what we're going to do fencing the whole thing, gorilla planting outside the fence because it's not our property, but we have to maintain it anyway. So it's planted out there, honey, you know, and so everywhere, everything is planted and taken care of and that with the future in mind that this is going to be the house that we're going to stay in until we can't maybe physically go up and down the stairs anymore kind of thing, right? So we came here with a plan of permanency in this place as opposed to like flipping the house for profit or something so uh that's where we started and you know continued we've been here 13 years now as of october 10th will be our 13 year mark on this property and it's now certified it's certified with the canadian uh, wildlife federation and quite a few other bird and butterfly organizations and organic gardening organizations and it's it's looking pretty good now Congratulations. I mean, you, you. Speak, you speak with such love for, I think, the journey that it's, it's moving, like to hear oh, thank you. <laughs> what, what that, what that golden, that golden hour, that golden day is, it's, it's now. And I think that, I think all of us get in our heads about, you know, when I get there or like, you know, yeah. hopefully one day I get to do that thing. But in reality, like the opportunities is, is right in front of you. You just got to make that decision and then move forward with it. And mm -hmm. it is not always an easy decision. I think it takes a long time yeah. to finally like practice that like ability. Yeah. And I think when you, you make big strides little by little, it's, you know, taking the job, it's um, talking with your mom again. It's, it's, you know, doing all of these little steps that finally lead yeah. to this, like, Oh my gosh, like, when we move and then oh no like we have to move now like this is the time it's it's just you know it's oh man it's just such a beautiful story a beautiful journey oh, thank you um, a good reminder i think to myself sometimes it's a don't don't wait for you know later on like if you wanted to go do something go go and go and try it at the very least you'll understand like eh, you know what i really didn't like that area um and then now you right. can you know you can kind of readjust and and in that moment uh figure out what is going to be best for you moving forward even if you don't know moving like by the time you get there it might it might change right but that's mm -hmm. the of like truly being in the moment it is you know um living without regrets was a big motion of mine um having worked with the elderly uh you hear a lot of regrets and that was something that i I didn't want to have. Um, so that was part of it. Um, but also, I think a willingness to do the work, a willingness to do the sacrifice, you know, and going there and saying, you know, this may not be an instant thing for us. You know, when we make this decision, maybe we're going to struggle for the first three or four or five years until we get established far there and find the job that we really want to stay at or, you know, whatever it is that we end up having to do to build it to where we need it to be. You know, and you just have to slowly, slowly make the steps to make it happen. But don't, but don't wait on making those steps. Do it now. Make those steps now. Make the preparations now. Learn what you need to learn now and start heading in that direction. But the thing that holds us back so often is fear. Like it's fear. We're just so afraid to step out of 
the comfort zone, even if the comfort zone is really, really unhealthy for us. It's a, it's a rut. Our, it's our circle. It's our culture. You know, our friends are here. Our life is there. Uh, this is what we've we've built this thing and breaking away and going out of this is just, it's like flying to the moon or something. It's just terrifying. But once you jump out and you do it, all of a sudden you look back and you go, why didn't I do it before? And you know, why didn't I do that before? Why didn't I make this choice before? And we have even said that we were like, geez, you know, it's too bad. We didn't decide to move here earlier than we moved here. And we didn't decide to live this life earlier. So yeah, it's just do it. Don't let fear stop you. You know, it's that inner voice. It's that inner critic. It's telling you not good enough, that all these things are not going to happen for you, that, you know, you can't count on yourself to be able to be strong enough to deal with challenges and circumstances that you're, you may not be aware of right now that jump up and you have to deal with, but you are strong enough and you are resilient and you are able to do that. So it's a matter of um, defeating that inner voice, that inner critic and feeling the fear and just doing it anyway. And you'll never look back. You'll, you'll love it. You'll always, you'll always feel like uh, better by doing it. Um, even if, as as you say, you experiment with something and you realize, well, it wasn't really a direction that I'm comfortable going forward with, then that's okay because now it's not going to be a regret later on. Oh, I regret not trying this. I regret not taking this path. Take the path. Dip your toe in the water. See if it's something that you're interested in and want to pursue or not. And then if it's not, that's okay. Move on to something else. That's right. So I if uh, so many good things. So if I were to, um, you know, want to start my own garden, I'm here at the house. What are some like go to, you know, I, so I've tried to grow some stuff. I got basil, mm-hmm. rosemary, um, some, some tomatoes. My, my, my father also uh, used to, to garden quite a bit. So we had uh, my my grandma also as well. We had banana trees. We had nice uh, grapefruit trees. We I mean oh the grapefruits. I I just I have never had such a good grapefruit in my life. Um, I just I miss them dearly. Limes, oranges, um, main uh, peppers. We had we had a, a lot of stuff going on at the house. Um, but it seems that whenever I tried on my own, whenever I moved out of the house, that I would kill things so quickly. Um, and so if I was to start building my, my garden, what are some, some things you kind of would recommend for me to begin? Okay, so are we talking about patio garden or lawn? Like, are we outside the house or are we talking balcony? What are we talking about here first? Let's go, let's go patio. Okay, so patio. One of the best tips for growing on your patio is making sure, for one, that you get a larger size of a pot than you think you're going to need because you will need a larger pot than you think. Um, The second thing is, is to make sure you have a plant tray to capture any of the dripping water. It will hold it around the base of the plant. It will keep it from landing, uh, sitting on your patio. if you have height to your patio, uh, it steps down to your lawn or the ground, you can always uh, insert a pipe into the, pu- the plant tray that goes down into a pot down below. So if you do have overflow, 
it actually feeds the pot below as opposed to just going over the balcony, right? So that's a tip for uh, reusing your water. Secondly, is at the base of your pot before you plant anything, get some like dry leaves from someone in a bag, you know, uh, punch those dry leaves really, really hard down into the base of that plant pot. You're probably going to use most of that bag of leaves per pot uh, for a large pot, you know, um, and that's going to be crunched down to, but really only about this much of the base of on the inside of your pot, a pad like this. And that's going to end up being kind of like a peat like sponge. So it's as it breaks down, it's become this sponge that just soaks up all the water that you've been putting into it. Any nutrients that have been leaching out of the soil are going to be held there in this sponge area. And so if it's a hot day, the roots are going to be encouraged to go deep and they're going to hit that sponge and they'll continue to be uh, gain moisture. Um, it will reduce the amount that goes into your capture tray as well. So those are going to really help you in the hot areas for maintaining your pots. Thirdly, when you have pots like that, uh, you want to have some kind of mulch on the top of your pots in between your plants. This isn't really for weed suppression. This is more just to keep the surface of your soil from drying out, and it will protect your plants that much more when it comes to water conservation. You can reuse water from your kitchen as long as it's cooled water from like steaming your vegetables or washing your fruit or um, any captured water, you know, your, your, your glass of drinking water at your nightstand. You can gather all of that water and pour that manually onto your patio plants as well or your outside gardens, and that's going to help you conserve water. To maintain the watering system, especially during the heat of the summer, you're probably going to want an, uh, 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 like a, a timer system. A timer is only about $50 at the hardware store. And you buy it once, it's going to last you for pretty much ever. Um, it, it goes on to the tap, the water tap itself, and your hose comes off of it. Your hose going around to your to your pots. From that black hose, you have just a little spaghetti line that goes to each pot. So the hose will be attached to your patio and then the spaghetti line to each pot that you have, right? And mm -hmm. so by having it on a timer, you can say, oh, I want it to water two for two minutes and I want it to water three or four times a day. And you set it for so many hours apart and at this time in the morning and as late as this time at night. And so you can set it up. You don't even have to think about watering or whether it's going to be drying out while you go travel to see your family or something like that. You don't have to worry about that as much. You also don't have to worry about overwatering um, happening uh, accidentally. So that's where I would start. Um, think about what you like to grow, like what you like to eat. What is your favorite foods? And think about whether you can get a variety that suits a container. There are thousands of varieties of every time of fruit and vegetable out there, right? So you can find blueberries that grow as tall as me, or you can find blueberries that are tiny little shrubs that are perfect for containers. They're, they're been bred for containers, right? Cool. So you can choose what it is that you want to grow and then find the variety that suits your particular situation. Make sure that you work with 
in the microsystem of your uh, patio. So your patio, one part of your patio is going to get a lot more sun and another part of your patio might get hardly any sun because it, maybe it's tucked behind your barbecue or something like that and it's shaded there. So you can grow things that suit those specific environments and not have burnout. For instance, you wouldn't grow lettuce, you wouldn't grow basil in the full sun, you would grow that in the shadier section of your patio. So you can find little areas of your actual patio to work with the plants that you want to grow. Cool. I'm going to go buy some stuff after this. You best believe. <laughs> are there plants that are harder to grow than others or like it's just, is it, or is it not? You know, it's really about just knowing the plant knowing what it desires. Um, let's take carrots, for instance, really common vegetable, right? They're actually fairly easy to grow if you do it right. So for carrots, they don't, the seeds are really, really tiny and they don't like to be disturbed and they don't like to be buried deeply. So you want to plant them between a quarter inch and um and an eighth of an inch deep in the soil. But that means they're in the surface of the soil. So it's gonna dry out really quickly, unless you have something that's like, say you've planted it in between lettuces that you're gonna be taking out in a couple of weeks, you could plant the a row of carrots in between, and then they're gonna be shaded by that. That's succession cropping um, and intercropping, by the way. Um, but you need to keep the surface of the soil moist. And so there's a couple of tricks of doing that. You can cover the soil with just a cloth, a piece of reme, a landscape fabric, a board will work as well. And in about six days, you lift it up. As soon as you see somebody is sprouting, they're starting to sprout, you take the cover off, you let them continue to grow from there. But you always, at that point, you want to mist the soil constantly until the leaves start fronding. Once they're fronded up, they're good to go. So it's just knowing your plant, knowing that, okay, it needs this. If I don't give it that, then it's going to have problems. So uh, before you go to plant that particular seed or that particular uh, transplant that you've purchased, you want to look into, okay, well, what is this plant like? What does it need? What kind of sun does it, exposure does it like? Uh, what kind of moisture are we looking at here? Is it, a, is it a plant that requires a lot of moisture? Is it one that doesn't really need moisture at much at all? Like rosemary doesn't like a lot of moisture, right? So you have to find that find the plant for the right place in the right situation and just make sure you give it what it needs. Uh, so just a little quick research, just go online, you know, pop in what you're going to grow or what you'd like to grow and see what it needs. You make it sound so easy, you know, it really it, is. It, it really is. Yeah. It's just, it's looking up what the plant is doing your research. <laughs> and after enough times, now I know, Oh, you know, carrots like, lots of moisture to be buried on the on the surface of the soil and right. i can do intercropping or i can um use a board or a cloth like boom and then i have my right. method and then now i just you can over re redo it over and over um it's just learning uh, there's just so many plants that sometimes it, it, on on the outside perspective it can feel overwhelming like oh my god like mm -hmm. there's all these different plants like what am i going to grow but it could be as simple as just starting off with one plant and it's like getting to know 
I, you know, I really like, I really do like blueberries, right? That's, that's a good one for me. I love blueberries. And so mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, let me get really, really good at growing blueberries. And then now let me go ahead and add in, you know, I also really like um, onions, right? So then like right. green onions, right? And then you, you slowly build up to uh, what, what we see as a full garden, like that, that person probably didn't start off with a full garden. Like they, it took time to develop that uh, process. And finally yes. they got to the point where, what we see on the outside, it's like, wow, that thing's amazing. Like you, you're like, you're saving so much money. You're bringing in such good nutritious food. Um, and then I'm like, man, that's, that sounds hard. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's not that hard. Uh, the main thing is to make sure that you have good, healthy living soil. So if you're buying potted soil mix, you want to make sure that you're adding some worm castings. You've got some uh, glacial rock dust in there, maybe some kelp meal, maybe some alfalfa pellets for the nitrogen. Um, Mix that into the soil, you're good to go. You know, it's really simple things, all natural, really easy to find at your local supplier for making that soil. You can reuse your potting soil, by the way, Um, just the following year before you planted it again. Um, Dump it into like a kiddie pool or uh, something along those lines that is going to allow you to mix the soil up. Give it a a stir, replace that uh, pad of leaves at the bottom of your, or peat or cardboard if you're out of material, brown cardboard. Uh, and you can use that as your mat and replace that. Mix in a little bit of fresh potting soil, a little bit of your nutrients again, and put that right back in the pot. You can do that indefinitely. You can continue to reuse that soil. So the soil can be a one-time purchase. A lot of people think, oh, I got to dump out my soil and start all over again. You don't. It's a one-time purchase, but you do need to amend that soil. You got to give it some, it's been using, you know, the plant's been using the nutrients from the soil. You got to replenish that nutrients. It makes, Absolutely. Again, again, it's so logical. It makes so much sense. It's so <laughs> cool. Uh, That's it, great. You know, you're, you're so, you're, obviously you've been doing this for a long time. And you, I think you can, mm-hmm. you can hear, you can see it in the way you communicate about the topic. It's like, oh yeah, you just oh. do this. Like, duh. And like, <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, I guess I never thought about it like that. But the way you make it sound, it's like, yeah. Of course I do it like that. You know, like I always thought, yeah, you like I, I you know how many bags of soil I've bought in my life? Like, oh my lord, so many right. when in reality I didn't need to buy that much, you know? Um right. I could have conserved a lot, a lot more a lot more and a lot better. Just just knowing those things. So you said alfalfa, um use moss, what was that? Okay, so alfalfa, uh you can you can either get that in pellet form. You typically people feed like rabbits uh pellet meal something like that um alfalfa is a is a is a legume comes from like the bean family a legume and it's super high in in nitrogen um and chlorophyll and so that's a really good cheap amendment is the alfalfa pellets um the glacial rock dust so this comes in like a paper bag, kind of like cement comes in those papery type bags. Yeah. And um, you use like maybe a quarter cup per pot, something like that. Um, something along those lines. Um, and then the kelp meal. Now kelp being a seaweed has uh, all kinds of, micronutrients in it that you are not commonly found in native or 
potting soil. And so you're making sure you have all of those micronutrients, your molybdenum, your copper, your this and that are all in there. Um, in they, it sort of rounds off your soil. Now to make it living soil, that's where we're talking microorganisms within your soil. That's where you add the earthworm castings. These come in a plastic bag, um, 10 bucks, something like that for a bag. You would use, oh, maybe a couple of cups or a cup per pot. It's really not that much for the season. And uh, it has all of the micro guys in there and they liven up the soil and makes it, they make it a living soil. I love that. Yeah. You're definitely giving a lot. Yeah. This is awesome. Um, so <laughs> if, so, oh my gosh, what is the difference between kind of shifting gears just a little bit, like the difference between like a, a commercial run garden versus a, a home run garden. Okay. So my home run garden I can do smaller, um, smaller succession crops. So I won't be harvesting 50 lettuces at once. I'll be harvesting three lettuces continuously throughout the season. So I will continue to plant lettuces two weeks apart. These transplants will be going into my raised beds. And so we have a continuous supply of that without being overwhelmed. So as a backyard gardener, home gardener, you're planning on what your family is going to consume, what you're willing to preserve as well. So if you're like, oh, well, you know, I would, I would definitely can my excess with my water canner, water bath canner. And um, so, okay, well, then maybe I will grow that extra tomato plant. Maybe you're not into doing canning or pickling or whatever. And so you're not going to grow those extra ones. Well, then that allows you to choose new and different varieties with that space that you have. So you can change it up every year, too, with your backyard gardens. So one year I might be making um, a lot of uh, Roja sauce, salsa verde, uh, verde sauces. I might be making my spaghetti sauces and enchilada sauces and things like that. The next year, maybe not so much. Maybe I'm going to stew canned tomatoes. I'm going to can stew tomatoes, I mean, or I'm going to make uh, dehydrated tomatoes, which I'm doing now, actually, um, right. this year instead, because I have so much from last year of the sauces. I don't need to make sauces. So I'm going to do this type of preserving this year. Next year, I may have enough from those two years still left that I may not have to grow a lot of tomatoes. Maybe I'll just grow a couple of funky cherry type tomatoes for my salads or something like that. So I can change up what I'm going to grow based on what I have in store from last year, what I'm willing to preserve. I like to can, freeze or dehydrate pretty much everything if we're not eating it fresh. So um, for me, I'm, I've got an extra freezer. And so I, my goal is to fill that up which is, it has. Um, I have a water bath canner. It's just a big pot with a rack on the bottom and a lid. It's all it is. You fill it with water. You put your jars in there. You follow the recipe. And it's usually, you know, 15 to 30 minutes, depending on what you're canning um, for each run in the canner. So it's really not as huge of a deal as it might seem to do your own preservations, to have your own sauces and your own pickles and syrups and jams and jellies and 
relishes and everything else. So all of those things we make ourselves, um, anything that we're not able to produce, uh, preserve ourselves. I'll, I'll end up dehydrating. So a lot of dehydrated tomatoes, a lot of um, dehydrated vegetables that I'll grind up, and then I'll end up using them as an amendment on my dog food because in the winter they're not exposed to grass and other things that they might be munching on. So I make sure that in their dog food they get a half a teaspoon or a teaspoon of this ground up vegetable mix. Nothing goes to waste. If uh, the worst case, it goes to the compost. But we also have a chain of neighbors. We're really close with our neighbors. We are part of a neighborhood watch and we're really connected with our neighbors. And so anytime we have extras, we're texting them. Do you want, do you want, make our way around, you know, so we don't overload any one person when we have like too many cucumbers like we did this year. And, uh, you know, Dave's students and sometimes his co-workers will take our access, but then it comes around. So someone else might be given a great big box of walnuts and they don't want all those walnuts. So who are they going to call? They're going to call us, right? They're going to say, hey, would you guys like some of these walnuts? You know, so we end up getting this whole share thing going on with all of these people. It's not the intent we're sharing because we have access, but that's end up what happening is they'll think of us. You know, someone brings two boxes of pears and they can only use like one or something. And so they'll, they'll offer it to us. So you never know what's going to come in through just casual sharing. It's. I think it, it kind of reminds me of. I, I think I have two things here. It, one of them is, it. I think having a home garden kind of highlights the the benefits of the the nutrition side of it. It's like, uh, I I kind of get a little bit weary at times about what's coming out and what can I buy at the superstore, right? I think more and more mm-hmm. we just constantly see a lot of things that aren't in season or. Um, that that are shipped, like you said earlier, um, like mm-hmm. a little bit of that kind of stuff. I, I we know that heat degradates uh, a, 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 the nutrients inside of the the item, and so mm-hmm. it it, it kind of tells me like, what am I really getting here? You know, mm-hmm. um, versus if it's right outside my house, and I know what I'm kind of getting. I'm getting the best piece of it. You know. Yeah, you raised something up really good. I want to interrupt you on this because when I was growing commercially. We had to get certified, you know, with the organic certification uh, groups and stuff for for selling to restaurants as organic. And that was um, that was when I realized that we actually go beyond organic in our own gardening <laughs> because organic allows you to have a tractor that is not maintained well, dripping oil, bumping out horrible exhaust on your field as it's driving up and down. That's okay. That's considered organic. Um, you can use um, septic waste on your fields, and that's considered organic. Um, you can use um, the blood meal, bone meal. That's considered organic. Um, these are things that we don't add because we don't like the the. Um, there's all kinds of issues that can happen with that, right? All of the pathogens and germs and what have you. We don't touch any of that in our gardens. We don't have it exposed to any fossil fuels whatsoever. You know, ours is no dig, no till work, uh, all raised beds, you know, so we're, we carefully, we know that our soil is healthy living soil. Just because you're labeled as organic and you're growing in a field does not mean that your soil itself is healthy living soil. Wow. And so um having 
having been on that side of it and realizing that there's a lot of areas that these certifications aren't um, uh, making part of the requirements um, that we do. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's all kinds of benefits with growing yourself because you know what you've put in that soil and what you've put on those plants and how you've grown them. And you know that that was harvested yesterday and you're eating it today um, as opposed to, you know, maybe it was harvested three months ago and kept in coolers and gases and plastic bags and finally ends up at your grocery store and then you purchase it from there. So knowing where it comes from, having that hands-on um, is really, really important. The healthier your soil is, the healthier your plants are going to be, the more nutritious your food will be, the better flavor, better size, everything. So uh, the plants also have a natural pest resistance and they will communicate with one another. They send phenomes back and forth to each other. Hey, I'm being attacked by ants. Somebody else is like, oh, dude, I better put this in my sap so that they, when they eat my sap, they won't like us anymore. And so there's this communication going on with plants and stuff. And so the healthier they are, the more efficient that they can do what they do. That is, yeah, I think a huge highlight knowing like the organic idea has come out like huge. It's, it's everywhere, all natural, all organic, right? But that's a huge note that I continue to see in a lot of documentaries that I watch and just things that I read. But I, I mean, you know, from someone who's been in that on that side of it, I think it, it you know, it has a little bit more depth to it, like being able to see uh, that end of it and then being able to have your own place now. But the, the, the other thing I was going to mention is it also brings some attention to the importance of a community and like what it kind of mm -hmm. does, like coming back to our roots of, of foliage, like, uh, you know, um, doing our own, uh, yard work or, or gardening and then sharing that with others. And it's, it's something as, as simple as, Hey, I have like, like the classic thing, you know, go to, you go to your neighbor for a cup of sugar and, and this is kind of that same thing. It's like, Hey, I have, xyz would you like any and like i would imagine it really bonds a community it's not just you it's not just your neighbors now it's coworkers. now it's you know it's it's all these people you guys get to share such a and that's what allows us to exist and it's good nutritious food like i don't know i've always found food to be such a like a meal to be such an intimate um, thing to share with somebody when you're sitting at the dinner table and like, Oh, and, like, and I've never grown my stuff like that, but um, to this extent, but like, even if I added just a little bit of, of my own love to it and I created this, this time and I put the labor mm -hmm. into it. And then now you get, you know, I get to share this with a group of people. And then on top of that, I grew half of this, like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Like, it is such a profound thing that, and I think a lot of people are missing that community. And I think something as simple as sharing a meal or sharing mm -hmm. some ideas on how to grow or, you know, mm -hmm. like it's just, you know, oh, I love it. Yeah. You know, I was speaking with a lady down in, in the Vancouver area who lives in um, like a condominium dwelling, you know, one of those big buildings. And, uh, she was saying that they're they're now uh, after some discussions that she and I had, she brought it up to their like committee, I guess. They have a, a communal room um, where members of this building will get together and they'll have gatherings or celebrations or meetings about what's going on in the building or what have you. And so uh, during one of these meetings, it was brought up that maybe we could, 
you know, do gardening on our balconies and maybe exchange. Um, so if my neighbor right next door to me or across the hallway is in a shady section and she's really good at growing lettuce and my side is in the full sun. So I'm growing the tomatoes and the eggplants or peppers maybe on my side. Then we can share back and forth and we can share each other's harvest. And so they're, they're starting this up in this building, which I thought was pretty cool, you know, that cause you know, your balcony might be limited on space or your patio, uh, depending on, you know, the type of building you're in and all of that. One side might be in full shade, you know, and it'd be difficult for them to grow something they really like. So they're, they're talking about doing this. Uh, she said, um, she suggested that if the exchange, from doesn't happen like say right across the hall type situation then they might just uh bring their excess what i'm not using in my own apartment i'll bring it down to the meeting room on thursdays or whatever everybody does the same thing and they take what they want sort of thing sort of a share thing in the meeting room which i thought was really cool that it's even in the discussions you know it's it's cool that people are are really jumping on board that's a, that's a big deal. You know, I think that the, yeah. you talked a lot about the water conservation. I mean, you have a lot of good things that I think are ultimately good, not just for the, the world, but good for people and the communities and good for our own, each individual's mental health. Like it, mm. what you're doing is not just like growing food, even though, yes, very nutritious and very, and very awesome. Like you're, you're hitting a lot of I think points in that we, that we need, I think at this point, we need community, we need better food. Um, we need to conserve like all of these things that are just, you know, absolutely beautiful things. And obviously, you know, like people are talking about it, people are introducing it and like, it's, it's working. So, you know, what you're, what you're doing is, is it's good work, Lily. And I, I really do appreciate it. But before I, Thank unfortunately, you. I gotta, I gotta head out here shortly. Okay. Um, so all I right. appreciate you coming on. I, w- we will definitely do another one. I need to learn more about Great. it is to, <laughs> to garden a little bit more in detail and let you know how my gardening is going. Um, but Great. before we head out, I would like, um, just, I always offer the opportunity for anybody to give a little bit of advice. Um, so anybody of the, of the listeners, anybody that's tuning in either to yourself 20, 30, 40 years ago, um, or somebody who's trying to start their own garden and then, also, if you don't mind, plug and promote all the things that you would like people to find you. Oh, thank you so much. Well, actually, I am right now working on a manuscript for a backyard garden guidebook. So in about a year and a half, it'll be on the market. So do keep an eye on Amazon for the Brummett's books on Amazon. Also our cookbook, you know, we got to plug our cookbook. (laughs) So among our other books, so I hope people check those out as well on Amazon. Um, When it comes to starting garden for the very first time, if you're working in a community garden or say you have just a little space in your yard, I really suggest using a raised garden, raised bed concept. If you can frame it in even better, otherwise just, you know, make it a heap and garden in that. Um, It's better if it's framed in because it holds the sides in. The taller, the better, because ergonomically correct, so you don't have to bend over as far. 
fill in the base with all kinds of absorbing material before you put your soil in because uh, that absorbing material over time is going to break down and turn into beautiful compost right there at the roots. But in the meantime, it's also going to be absorbing all the water and the nutrients, keeping it right there at the roots for in the depth of the growing season, helping your plants uh, deal with all kinds of environmental stresses and and climatic changes. Um, And definitely use your mulch is is definitely way to go. Try to water at the base of your plants so you're looking at drip or soaker hoses as opposed to overhead watering. Overhead watering can cause a lot of issues, a lot of problems. It's also a waste by as much as 60% of your water is wasted when you do overhead watering. So keep it right at the base if you can. So that's what I would advise for your, your very first garden bed. Um, when it comes to learning more about Dave and I, uh, the Brummett's Conscious blog is one of the most popular sites that we run. Um, you can find that at consciousdiscussions.blogspot.com. That's consciousdiscussions.blogspot.com. Our main website is brummettmedia.ca. And of course, you can find us on Amazon. Just type in Brummett uh, in the book section and, and all our books will pop up from there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lillian. And thank, thank you, you to all the listeners. Love y'all. And I hope you guys learned something because I sure did. Thank y'all and <laughs> be safe. Thank you for listening to the Ben Navarro's podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes.